For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody, it is your soon-to-be favorite episode of Half Street High Heat because mom is gone. Just your boys, Nick and Ryan, man in the castle. We're here. We're doing this. It's great. It's going to be a great episode. All trade deadline, all the time. Got a great interview with Sam Fortier. But first and foremost, let me introduce my best friend, the one and only 6'4", Ryan Lohr. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing very great. You know, Amanda is not joining us for this episode due to hobligations. Um, so it is just... Yeah, how dare she have a life? <laughs> it honestly. is just us, the fellas from DC Nat Shack. So it's going to be an absolute incredible episode. Buckle up. Buckle in. Uh, I guess I should, uh, before we get too far into the episode, I should uh, do Amanda Spiel. Uh, not as well as her, of course, but I'll do my best. Uh, you can follow Ryan and I, as uh, he alluded to, at DC Natchak. You can follow Amanda, even though she's not here today, at AWhite7877. Did not butcher her at. Already better than her. Um, follow the show at Half Street High Heat. And uh, follow DMVSN at DMVSN. Um, but without further ado, Ryan, I think I think it's time for us to get this week and week week and recap. It is, man. So without further ado, <clears throat> it is the most wonderful time of the year. Play the music. The words of George Weil ring true this week, and I'm not talking about Shark Week. Wow, I'm talking about trade <laughs> deadline week. So here, Christmas. here is how the NLE Christmas. Stands couple of days away from the trade deadline. The Marlins are 39-63. Moment of silence for them. And now to everyone's favorite. Hey, I didn't talk during the moment of silence that hey, time. We're getting, we're getting better. We're getting better. Progress. <laughs> Progress. This week on Keeping Up with the Mets. <sighs> Jeff McNeil says adopting a puppy will make him hit more home runs, which is absolutely backed up by science. And then the Mets <laughs> finally decide they're in full-blown sell mode. They say they don't want to trade Noah Syndergaard to the Yankees or the Astros because those teams are more analytically advanced than they are, and they think Syndergaard will flourish with them. Translation, those teams are smarter than we are. But when you're the Mets, every (laughs) single team is smarter than you. (laughs) Unreal. Um, Mets then say Wheeler and Diaz, as well as others, will be on the block for a right price. Reports shortly came out oh that the God. Mets think that they can contend next year and they don't have to do a full-blown rebuild. Instead, this is their plan. They want to trade Thor to a team like the Padres so they can use that return to trade for Marcus Stroman. I, 
I, I don't get it either. Um, all I know is that I absolutely love the Mets. They're probably my favorite team just because all the strong. Oh, they God. are 49 to 55, and I don't know how Mets fans do it because they are a mess. <laughs> New York <Oof>. Mets. <laughs> Phillies took two or three from the Pirates. Then they wore the ugliest maroon jerseys I've ever seen in my life, and they got the snot beaten off them by the Braves. They are trying to avoid the sweep as they're up 6-4 right now. Phillies are doing their due diligence on every pitcher available, but they do not want to give up their middle-of-the-pack farm system, and they just want to take on contracts. So they're looking on the D-backs pitchers, Zach Greinke in particular. Um, will be interesting to see. They are 54-50. and 50. They are a big market team, so they can take on quite some contracts. I kind of like the maroon jerseys, Oof, actually. I, I mean, I hated them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just like maroon in general, but I'm sure I'll, I'll get backlash on Twitter. <laughs> oh, take, take you, you're, you're just a Philly, <laughs> Philly fan. But whatever. Moving on. The Nats take three or four against the Rockies and are in the longest losing streak since the Mets series in late May. The Nats' flaws are on full display this week. The bullpen, uh, we'll dive into that later. The bullpen blew a clutch game against the Rockies, and they also had some pretty rough battles oh, against man. the Dodgers. But the lack of offense is the biggest, bigger story. Getting shut down by Ryu and Kershaw and Bueller for five innings is one thing. But when you get shut down by two Rockies pitchers with ERAs over six, not that good. But there is good news. All these Nats fans are crying that they want the schedule to get easier because this isn't fair. Which makes me ask, if you have to ask for the schedule to get easier, which it does in August, is this team as good as you think it is? They are 55 and 49. The Braves got two games sweep swept by the Royals, which was absolutely hilarious because their fan base said the Nats weren't that good because they beat the Royals. Um, then they immediately turned around and beat up on the Phillies two of the three games. They are 62-43. and 43. Braves are checking in on the Mets pitchers as well as other relievers, um, and they have been connected to Noah Syndergaard. Um, the Braves have the cap space and the farm system to pick literally anyone they want. They do have an advantage at the deadline. It'll just be interesting to see if their GM wants to give up their top prospects, because if they do, they're going to get whoever the heck they want. And that is how things stand heading into the trade deadline. I mean, the Braves should honestly just sell the farm for the Royals pitchers, because the Royals pitchers look pretty damn good in that two-game sweep. Yeah, Braves. seriously. I mean, um, they shut them out in one game. So if you get shut by the Royals, clearly the Royals are the best team in baseball. Clearly. I mean, won a World Series more recently than the Mets. Boom. <laughs> or, damn it, the Braves. <laughs> well, Mets too. So technically I wasn't wrong. You weren't. <laughs> oh, man. What a week. God. The Mets, man. The Mets. I got Mets on the brain. <laughs> what a... I don't understand. How how are you going to trade Syndergaard to just turn around and trade? For Marcus Stroman, Stroman, who, like, is having a pretty good season, and he's going to help this year. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Oh, my God. And it's just – it's so funny that Diaz is on the market after, like, they took on Cano's contract to get him. Oh, man. Uh, things you hate to see. You that. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Um, but one point you did bring up about the Nats is, yeah, the offense is just – it's yeah, it sputtering is. right now. I mean, today, thankfully, they're up 7-1 right now and uh, a large part to Strauss. But obviously, they got to uh, Walker Bueller, which is no small feat. 
Um, but I mean, thank God for starting pitching because we don't have much else. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that is a pretty great segue to our good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, I try. Exactly. So the good this week is Patrick Corbin. His last seven starts, he is 3-0 with a 1-6 ERA. He's gone 45 innings, given up eight earned, 11 walks, 57 strikeouts, and a whip just north of one. He had some four or five starts in a row where he was just looking pretty bad. And I was like, damn, this is year one of a long six-year contract. But now he's finally looking as advertised. Yeah, I mean, finally he he figured it out. Because it was that uh, the complete game against the Marlins, obviously, great game. And then after that, he just was just in tailspin. Um, I wasn't sure if it was because he threw like 120 pitches that game or what. But, I mean, last seven starts, it's been phenomenal, exactly what we needed. So, thank God, because with Max, who knows how long uh, this injury is going to linger and how often he'll uh, be able to pitch. Uh, We need Corbin to step up, and he has. So, I mean, we needed that badly, especially with our bullpen reverting back to uh, beginning of the year. I agree. And we move on to the bad. It is Juan Soto. His last seven, he's slashing 160, 290, 200 with four hits, two RBIs, five walks, eight strikeouts. His last 15 are just as bad. Baseball is all about streaks. He had a pretty hot streak for a while, so it's no surprise that 20-year-old is having a little bit of a down streak. But it is during one of the tougher stretches of the schedule, and he's in hard order. They need him going. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly like we, the beginning of the year. He didn't have Bryce around him, so uh, it, he was getting fewer pitches to hit and obviously wasn't doing as well, uh, getting very frustrated. But obviously, all credit to him because he did what a lot of uh, younger players are never able to do and break out of that sophomore slump. Um, and obviously got super hot uh, for a long period of time. Um, but whether it's positive or negative, there's always going to be regression to the mean. So uh, he was playing kind of out of his mind, and I'm not saying that's, like, not who he is, but he was playing, like, at, like, 130%. So now he's, like, down to, we'll call it, like, 60%. There's always going to be a regression to the mean. He's still a very good baseball player. It's just a rough stretch. The offense as a whole is not clicking. So when that's happening, you, as a pitcher, you can attack Juan Soto differently and not really give him pitches to hit. So this last seven, obviously the stats are not great whatsoever. They look like Adam Eaton <laughs> stats. Um, but pitchers are able to pitch Juan Soto differently when the rest of the order is not really contributing as much as uh, you would like if you're in the middle of the order. And uh, as Ryan, you said, it's a tougher stretch in our schedule. So he's facing tougher pitching and um, teams unlike the Mets that are actually prepared to play baseball <laughs> games and do their homework and analytics. Uh, so they know how to attack Juan Soto. But again, as you said, the schedule gets easier here shortly. Uh, we'll see what Rizzo does at the deadline. If he does acquire a bat, cause um, it seems like we do need some sort of spark uh, in the lineup, not just, like in the clubhouse, I mean, we need that too. Parr has brought some of it, but we need uh, someone who can light the fire uh, underneath this team's ass and get them going. But, I mean, Juan Soto, he'll figure it out. Not worried about him. I'm sure if you bring up a collective uh, stat line of the the team in the past 
few games, it, it's not great. So he he's not alone here, and he will break out of it. But he's not as bad as some people. Yeah, <laughs> in um, the that's for sure. Speaking of some people, we go to the ugly, who is Howie Kendrick. After he seemed like he was the offensive MVP, his old age being some weird play time, seems to be catching up with him. In his last 15, he's slashing 188, 235, 219 with six hits, three RBIs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Coming in today, he had one hit in his last seven games. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. Either the fact that he had to sit for a pretty, pretty long time when Zim came back, just so Zim can kind of get back in the swing of things. So I feel like maybe his timing's been thrown off. But someone who was seen as a pretty crucial bat has also gone missing in this lineup. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it could be uh, – I think it is a combination of things. Uh, the Zim thing obviously did not help him, but he's getting – because he was getting frequent, at least frequent enough at-bats beforehand to keep him in rhythm, and obviously he was phenomenal. Uh, the lack of a permanent position and the official starter status is really what, in my mind, prevented him from being an all-star because he had phenomenal numbers up until the break, and then – is him coming back decreases the the playing time that Howie's allotted, and uh, he just obviously loses that rhythm that he had uh, going so well in the the middle part of the season. Um, but yeah, he he's older, he's a veteran, he doesn't really have a home in the field because whenever he does play, it's really relieving someone and giving them a day off, and that's a great thing to have but as a bench player and um, Swiss army knife that kind of how he has been it's hard to stay in a rhythm because uh, even if you're hitting the same spot in the lineup being in a different position in the field every single day can really mess with you um, just because consistency is key so how he's a bet he'll he'll get through it I'm, I'm sure he will I'm not saying he's going to hit 330 again but he will be a valuable piece, and he'll be a valuable piece uh, down the stretch uh, leading into the postseason, hopefully. But he'll figure it out. It's the dog days of summer. It sucks. But trade deadline, we'll get hopefully new blood in here and all uh, overall spark for the team and uh, Soto, Howie, others. They'll get it together. That is true. Let's hope that something comes along and gets everything um, you talked about consistency, and the face of consistency for his team has been Max Scherzer. Um, he hurt his back with the famous old man injury, came back, pitched five innings against the Royals, but then came out that he had more Rockies. back pain. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> more back pain. Um, his stats was up in the air. Max said he wasn't very happy about it, and then came out saying it's a mild strain in his upper back. He'll be shut down for about two days. Um, his status for his next start is unknown. He still has not thrown the bullpen, and Davey said he won't throw start the game until he does that bullpen. He did his cardio day today, so after that game, we should find out more. Um, but they need him for the Braves series, and are we getting towards that official, you know, this is the Nats with injury thing. We need to be concerned about what's going on here, territory. Uh, I think we are. Um, I'm not saying like this is uh, dooming our season, but obviously losing who has to this point been the best pitcher in the game um, this year, it's no small thing. Like even uh, the best of pitching staffs and farm systems will feel the loss of 
someone like Max Scherzer when he goes down. Um, Max, I just anyone can know that he's doing everything he can to get back. He hates, absolutely hates missing a start, which is honestly the only reason in my mind he hasn't officially been ruled out for his next start because uh, Max owns Davey and Max tells <laughs> Davey when he's pitching. Um, so I, I think it's going to be uh, like last minute game time decision. Um, but we have this carousel of pitchers with Ross, Fetty, and uh, both that can fill in for a spot start. And obviously it's nowhere near Scherzer level, but I mean, Scherzer didn't look all that great in his uh, game against the Rockies. So I think it was a case of trying to come back too soon and you can't blame the guy. He just wants to go out there and pitch and dominate like he's been doing all season and help his team. Um, but he's had the team on his back too long. His back's hurting and kind of the team's letting him down. Uh, bullpen let him down in that game and offense has let him down in other games. So, I mean, he can't do it all himself. He needs to take care of himself so that way he's healthy down the stretch when we actually need him. Yes, the Brave series is big, but, I mean, Max can go out there and dominate for six innings, but if the bullpen's going to blow at seven, eight, nine, then why pitch Max for the six? Like, we, we can lose in another way is basically what I'm saying. And, yes, Max gives us the best chance to win, but if he's not healthy, then there's no point. Exactly, and – Back injuries are tough because back injuries linger. They don't go away, and they take a very long time to heal. Like, we've seen Kershaw's had two or three seasons that are completely derailed. Yeah, just yeah, ruined. From a yeah. minor back injury that just did not go away. So they have to be very, very careful, especially when we talk about Max Scherzer, who can match up with any single pitcher in baseball and gives you an advantage every fifth day when he's out there and also helps out your bullpen. So this is something they really, really need to be careful with like you said right and the biggest problem with max being out is that now he's not lined up to start the wild card game anymore so i don't know what david yeah david said he's pitching that game so <laughs> is davy a liar oh my god I, I don't know i can't remember if we talked about it on last episode or if it was just like us talking like before we started recording but that was so <laughs> dumb actually i think amanda and i were talking about it before the the interview <laughs> like, how are you going to line someone up to start in a wild card game like two months before <laughs> the game would even like take place? How does that make sense? Like, I understand there's a rotation and whatnot, but one, we have like three to four number five starters. So you're telling me not one of them can pitch in Max's spot to give Max like an extra day of rest to line them to reline them up where you want them to be? Like, oh my God, he. He's so dumb. And secondly, as the manager of a team, he literally came out and said, oh, yeah, we're shooting for the wild card. Like, didn't even – wasn't even, like, men- no mention of the division <laughs> at that time. They were, like, four, four and a half games back. Like, no mention of that. They're playing for the wild card in Davy's mind, which makes zero sense. So, if you are a Davy stan, just – you're dumb. <laughs> you, you know absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay, we're not pretending to be experts by any means, but if you support Davey, you are like the opposite of an expert. You are so irrelevant in baseball talk. Like, oh my, it's just, whew, my, I, I can't believe he actually came out and said that and thought that that was like uh, something to say to like rally the troops. 
Yeah, because your team's going to be fired up that you're aiming for the wild card and have zero aspirations for the division. Great job. Those uh, unscripted rants, man. It's what people come to love and see. Uh, Tell us how you really feel, man. Oh, man. All right. Um... I don't even know how how that started, but uh, okay. All right. So, uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, we had an interview with Sam Forte. He is uh, a contributor with the Washington Post. been on before he is our first recurring guest as we brought up in the interview um great chat with him for those of you that miss amanda that hate us there's not many of you um but amanda and i did this interview so you will hear her now and uh we'll catch you on the flip side all right we're here with the one the only sam fortier our first time ever recurring guest how are you today oh wow i didn't i didn't realize that what an honor thank you for having me yep and uh, that leads me right into my first question so since you're our first time ever recurring guest uh are we best friends now (laughs) Uh, well this is the first time we've met so maybe maybe not best friends it'll take maybe we're best friends now we we are the second time exactly okay all right all right i understand i understand okay all right so i mean Real first question. Obviously, trade deadline approaching. I, this is the my Christmas favorite time of year. Love the deadline. Uh, what are the Nats thinking in terms of who they're going after? I know Rizzo said bullpen help. I mean, real, real, yes, obviously stretch there. <laughs> but uh, who are the Nats thinking? What What do you think their plan is going to be? Right. So I think uh, we should first kind of layout that they're happy with their fifth starter depth, you know, whether that's Eric Fetty or Austin Voth or maybe even Joe Ross, you know, one of those guys outside chance would be Kyle McGowan. I don't think they really, they really think of him like that, but those four candidates, one of those guys, they're going to try to nail down and be their fifth starter going forward. Um, infield depth, they could, they could use a little bit, someone who hits a little bit better than Adrian Sanchez. But as we're looking at the deadline, I think bullpen help is, is the obvious one. And if I were to rank, you know, scenarios in which you're going to see the Nationals play out in terms of likelihood, I would go, they'd add one reliever. That's the likeliest. Uh, the second likeliest would be no moves. And then the third likeliest would be add two relievers. Even though this team is probably two relievers away, I think just because of the luxury tax and sort of the position that general manager Mike Rizzo's in, um, I would say one one reliever would be the, the likeliest move. And then if you look at candidates, um, you know, you have, you have some low-cost options around the league. Um, the Giants, whether or not they sell Will Smith might be an option. Um, I think another route could be even uh, signing a, you know, like a veteran reliever. Um, the Minnesota Twins just uh, DFA'd Blake Parker, and if he clears waivers, um, I mean, that dude, you know, about a 4-2 ERA, right-hander, 34 years old, effective stuff. I mean, that, if you have the Nationals, like the Twins DFA'd him, but he'd probably be pitching the eighth inning for the Nationals right now. Um, <laughs> probably so. And you know how so, those guys, the Nats, love to have relievers that other people at DFA. It's their favorite thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you're like over 30, you got DFA, and there's a chance like Mike Rizzo will kick the tires on you. Confirmed. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, four-two four, ERA is better than what we got, so I guess that's exactly. a marginal it's true. improvement. Exactly. It's, all things so, are relative. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so in terms of 
what you'll see, uh, I think, from Rizzo at the deadline is, is going after one reliever. Maybe you add another one off waivers, but but that's the likeliest scenario for me right now. Yeah. Um, interesting that you said the second likeliest option is no moves. Do you think the Nats can afford it and subsequently Rizzo can afford it? I mean, because he's been on the hot seat just because of our lack of success. Uh, do you think he and his job security can afford not making any moves at the deadline? Right. I guess it would depend on if he gets someone in free agency or, uh, you know, after like someone like Parker would clear waivers, I guess. Gotcha. But I, I mean, I think the nationals and therefore Rizzo can, cannot afford to not make a move. I mean, we've all seen this bullpen. We know what it is. I think the fact that it's a known quantity um, is the biggest problem. You know, it's not even like there's someone in the minors or, you know, maybe Fernando Rodney continues this kind of run that he's on, but, you know, if you get to September and, you know, someone runs up Max Scherzer's pitch count in the wild card game or, you know, even in the, you know, the next round and he has to lead up for six innings and the bullpen lose you the game, I mean, that's what this whole season's been about. And so right. you, you, you've wasted everything else. So the bullpen is the clearest problem. And if you don't address it, then you're kind of, you're not putting yourself in, in a legitimate position to contend. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, quick question for me is, is since their, their farm system is so poor and have a lot to offer, do you think it's realistic that they're going to be able to get anybody really who's going to make an impact on the bullpen? It seems like there are so many teams who need bullpen help and are in a much better position to buy that I, I don't know what they can even realistically expect to be able to bid for and uh, who they have, if you have any idea who you think they might be willing to get rid of. I know they, they've got some top prospects like Keyboom they don't want to move. So, you know, somebody like Taylor, who do you think they're likely to move in order to try to get help? This is a really smart point because as we've heard, you know, kind of throughout, uh, you know, since really it started becoming a realistic trade for relievers, the market is just so expensive right now because of the volume of, of people that want to be contenders um, mm-hmm. that need bullpen help. So, I mean, I think, names that people might be asking for would be someone like Keyboom, and I just don't think that, especially if you consider um, the place the Nationals at, are at with you know, cornerstones like Rendon. I mean, obviously, they, they want to re-sign him, but if he doesn't, Carter Keyboom's played third base at Fresno. I mean, I'm just... If you look at the long-term, mortgaging Carter Keyboom for, for a reliever, I don't think is... Uh, I mean, I'm not a general manager, no. but that doesn't seem like a one-to-one. <laughs> no, that's um, a no from me. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So I do think I do think that uh, you know the price is, is a little high. So it, it would maybe a Michael Taylor, maybe maybe someone else a little bit uh, lower on the ranking would, would be an option. But in terms of what the market's demanding right now, that's going to be pretty tough. No. What if it yeah, was? Yeah, I don't see them ending up with much because of yeah. that. Uh, yeah, probably right. not. But what if it was uh, Carter Keyboom for someone like Shane Green, who's under control for a little bit longer than just a couple months towards the end of the season? Would that be a realistic deal? Or do you think they're just going to hold on to him and some other top prospects at all costs, considering we're like the 28th ranked farm system? Right. Shane Green makes a lot of sense in terms of money. Um, you know, they, they have a little bit of wiggle room. It's not exactly clear how much they have. I think it's about you know, I don't want to be wrong here, but somewhere around $4 million. So Shane Green makes sense. Um, he, fits the, he fits the profile they're looking for, controllable assets, who, who's a you know, successful reliever who's proven he can do it in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Um, and he's also, 
you know, under team control. And, and mm-hmm. I think that those two things can't be ignored. I still wonder if one bullpen arm is, is worthy of an everyday player, um, especially of Kibu's caliber. Obviously, I think Nationals fans are a little colored by his, um, his you know, rough first 10-ish games that he had earlier in the year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this kid is still supposed to be a stud. He, he's still really young. Um, so I think I don't think that they're going to be ready to move on with him just for a reliever. But I mean, Shane Green would be that option where if Mike Rizzo is considering moving Keyboom, he'd be like, okay, you know, let's think about this if that makes sense. Yeah, Nats fans yeah. got got spoiled by Soto being so good when he did uh, coming up last year. So they see Keyboom not doing what Soto did, and they think he's done. Yeah, except but, that yeah. nobody does what Soto did. So, exactly. yeah, we got to be a little bit more realistic. <laughs> yeah. So, another one more quick question for you, Sam. Um, you know, talking about the Nats trade, obviously this is a Nats podcast, so we're talking about what their trade, trade deadline is going to look like. But I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts about what the Braves might do, since that's who we're, we're, we're trying to catch and who's mm-hmm. going to be, I think, you know, hopefully we're going to have a, a tight division race um, going down the stretch here. What do you think they're likely to do with the trade deadline? They've been linked to a lot of, of arms. Going into, right, I think, going into the end of the month. Right. If you just look at that series, um, you know, that, that they played last week, and, and I think actually I should point out that the series they're going to play next week, early next week, um, in D.C. is going to be pretty um, telling or instrumental for both teams in what they decide to do at the deadline, which I believe is at the end of that week. Um, it, it's what they're looking for is arms, and, that's, and they're not just bullpen exclusive. I mean, as you saw, as you've seen in both series, um, and now they've lost two games to the Royals here early in the week. And, I mean, it's, it's the rotation. Their rotation, you know, after Keuchel and after um, Soroka, I mean, it's it's not exactly uh, a murderer's row. And, and they definitely don't have the luxury that the Nats have of those guys going deep into the game every time. So I would say that they're probably going to look for – or what we're hearing is they're going to look for rotation as well as bullpen, but maybe prioritize the rotation uh, a little bit heavier. Got it. Yeah. yeah, I think I agree. They uh, at least we're not going to be competing probably for the exact same, the exact same players going into the deadline here with them. Well, right. the the only problem with them is that they have a way better farm system than we do. So yes, they surely do. But that's true of just about everybody. Definitely more to play with. Um, so I want to ask you just because I know zero about him is uh, Michael Blazek. I know the Nats just purchased his contract. They stashed him in Fresno. Um, actually just got done reading your article about it for those of you who haven't read it you definitely need to go read it because i guarantee you uh, most of you don't know the name just like i don't know the name uh what can you tell us about uh about him because obviously we didn't get to see him yesterday during the doubleheader right so blazik uh was a he had a pretty successful um early start to his career in milwaukee um he had one year where i think he threw about 55 innings at a 245 era Um, He's a veteran right-hander. He did rely on his sinker, but he had a major arm injury um, at the end of, at the beginning of 2018 in spring training. He actually missed the whole year. And it was funny. If you think about him, he's sort of an interesting character because basically he he left baseball at the end of the 2017 season. So imagine you, you fall asleep in 2017 and you wake up in 2019 where like the number eight hitter is going yard. Everybody's hitting home runs at crazy paces and the league is resetting the record every year. This Balls dude, are juiced. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, no comment from me there. But, I mean, he, he wakes up, he wakes up in a, in a game that's totally different from what he left. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you know, he sort of retooled his approach. Um, he, he, during that year off, he rehabilitated and then 
he stopped throwing his sinker as much. He he really he's a former starter. He really liked to mix his pitches. He really liked to use the curveball, slider, changeup, all that stuff. Um, but he really was like, oh okay, the way baseball is moving now, these guys are hitting it out. But you know, lower batting averages. Every, you know, every couple of miles an hour you put on your fastball, he got his fastball up to about 97, and that's sort of what he relies on most now. He'll still drop a a slider or a curve every once in a while, but his fastball is his main thing. And I think that's what national fans should expect to see when he's going well. He'll put it in there 97. You know, he'll put it inside on somebody and, uh, you know, really try to get weak contact is, is what he's looking for. Yeah. I mean, the fact yeah, that he's an he intriguing can, story for sure. Yeah. The fact that he can still touch 97 is just goes to show how, how much he still has left in the tank for sure. Um, I, I will say with today being recording on uh, July 25th, we're only five, six days away from the deadline. So how much are we really going to see from him before the deadline? Because I, I, I'm sure they purchased his contract and called him up so that they could see what they had and if they needed to get another reliever. Um, but if there's only five days until the deadline, I mean, we can only, we're only going to see him two, maybe three times. Well, Davey, he might pitch him like seven times. Who knows? But we're not going to yeah. see him as much. The sample size won't be uh, anywhere near to where we'd be comfortable relying on this guy. So what do you think about that? Right. I don't think the Nationals called him up to be the answer uh, in the bullpen. I mean, Dave Martinez, even even when it was like, okay, you know, why this guy? Why now? He sort of said we wanted to get him while he was pitching well. Uh, Michael Blazek in Fresno struggled his ERA got up to about 8.02 in the beginning of the year. And he, he attributed that, and I think fairly, to not having pitched, uh, you know, in any sort of organized baseball in a year. He hadn't had any spring training this season. So this was kind of his first start. In the last 10 and the third innings, uh, he allowed two runs on five hits. So obviously, you know, he was pitching really well, especially in an offensive uh, league like, like Fresno, where the, the numbers PCL, are kind of always yeah. crazy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – I don't know if the Nationals are, are thinking, okay, this is a guy that, that we can run out there in the sixth inning of a playoff game. Because I think and it also should be pointed out that if you think about this Nationals bullpen, that's how you have to be thinking. Even though it's late July, you got to be thinking, who's a guy I'm comfortable sending out there, you know, in a playoff series? Can Wander Suero go back to back to back? So that's like what Dave mm-hmm. Martinez is thinking right now. So I don't, I don't, he just said, we're getting this guy when he's pitching well. So it doesn't sound to me, that to me intimates, they're going to ride this guy as long as they can. But if he regresses back to what he might be normally or, or what they expect him to be, then, uh, you know, they can just move on. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I know you're running out of time. Very busy guy. Deadline meetings, all the fun stuff I wish I was a part of that you can text me all the details <laughs> and I'll, I'll be your insider. Or you'll be my insider and I'll just leak it. Yeah. Um, hey, insider for what, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> all right. But last question. I know you said the most likely scenario is that the Nats get one reliever. Who's the reliever? I mean, man, if I if I had that sort of insight, uh, we, we'd be uh, – we, we would be talking, I think, very, very differently. But uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I would have to say, I mean, if you're looking most realistically right now, I, I think that I, I, I would expect them to make, you know, pretty hard push at someone like Shane Green. I don't know if he's the likeliest candidate, but I think he would be the best candidate for the Nationals, mm-hmm. one of the best candidates. Um, I, I think Blake Parker, if he clears waivers, it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think he's a name that the Nationals fans should watch, although, you know, maybe he doesn't even clear waivers and it's a moot point. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Shane Green is the likeliest, but I think he would be 
he would make the most sense and he would be the best for the Nationals going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes a ton yeah. of sense because one reason we uh, love, obviously Doolittle's been great for us ever since we got him, but one reason that certainly helped is that he wasn't just around for two or three months. He's been here for years and has built on what he's done. Uh, people like Melanson or uh, other like Kelvin Herrera Kelvin last Herrera. year, they, they only got a small amount of games to prove themselves to Nats and the Nats fans. And then if they didn't perform well, then, I mean, they were just done and went elsewhere. So I think a, a person like Shane Green would make more sense than a rental. Um, so I guess we'll see deadline. It's, it's yeah. Christ, Christmas in July. I guess we will. I know. I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> I and and Rizzo so always much. has something up his sleeve. So I'm excited to see what he, what we, what we get from him. Well, it's not always the right thing, but we'll see. It should be fun. But it's always something. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us again. We really All appreciate right. it. Thanks for yeah, thank you guys saying for having me. I always, 40. I always enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, our official best friend. Thanks again. Official. See you Confirmed. All right. Bye. <laughs> All right. So big thanks to Sam Fortier, uh, our new best friend. Um, even though he rejected me, that's okay. I'll forgive him this time. Um, great interview. I, it was brief because he had very important uh, like journalistic meetings that uh, I was not Um, allowed to attend unfortunately but that's okay he's still our best friend great interview Um, I'm sure we'll have him back on sometime in August to recap all the moves Uh, hopefully there were moves because as you just heard one of his scenarios was uh, the Nats possibly standing pat which I don't think they can afford to do but regardless great interview Uh, hopefully uh, the Nats do something that that, uh, contributes in a positive way whether it's buy or possibly sell i don't know (laughs) but um all right so i guess it's that time hopefully i don't butcher it again uh but we'll tell you about the dmvsn's library of podcasts obviously you have the nads podcast which you're listening to now at half street high heat follow us on twitter leave a review um but we have a bunch of shows including all of dc sports redskins ravens caps wizards uh, including a couple mixed bag shows like the Diamond Thunder show and It's About Time DC. So go check them out. Follow at DMVSN on Twitter and uh, check out the website. Uh, they've hosted a couple good blogs, uh, including some of uh, about the Nats. Um, so go check it out and check out the shows and uh, let us know what you think because we always appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, so now... Um... It is time to dive into, as we have mentioned several times, the best week of the year. Christmas in July, baby! (laughs) Yes, so in case you have not been able to keep up with all of the tweets from the national reporters um, or the Washington Nationals beat reporters, that's are interested in every single reliever. But fear not, I have listed here for you all the names they have been connected to the most. Um, They checked in on... James Dykeman, who was traded to the uh, A's not too long ago, uh, Michael Givens, Sam Dyson, and uh, Will Smith. The Giants are not selling. They're going to stand pat with both of them, so you can cross them off Big the list. News. Um, and then you got Green, Colome, Giles, Hudson, who I do think is going to be the four of the most likely people Nats can choose from. 
Um, we have heard the most about Shane Green, which I'd be pretty excited about. The initial asking price was Carter Keeboom, but then a couple of days later, we heard that the Nats are still talking to them, which translate to that the, the Tigers have come off of that asking point. So hopefully something can get it done there. Um, but the Nats need to get at least two relievers, or we know how the season's going to end. So we're going to play a quick little game called Deal or No Deal. Wow, what a title. I've never heard that. First game show ever called that. Don't fact check me. (laughs) All right, so we're going to run through the people here, and then you say deal or no deal if you think the Nats could get it done. Those of you listening, you could say it too. So we'll start with the Baltimore Orioles closer, who has, I think, like a 260 rate outside of Camden Yards. I love him. His name is Michael Givens. Nick, deal or no deal? Um, the Nats should, but I don't think they could or will because I don't, it's like this weird, like unspoken beef with the Orioles that like, we just can't get anything done for whatever reason. Um, but also I think the Orioles don't end up selling to the Nats for whatever reason. It kind of goes both ways. Um, but also I mean, the fact that we know that he has a ERA of 2-6 outside of Camden Yards, all the other teams in the MLB, aside from the Mets, know that <laughs> as well, and, and, and probably more stats. So we've already seen the Red Sox buy. I'm sure um, other teams like the Twins, uh, Astros, uh, other teams looking to bolster their bullpen will outbid. Um, and I think because he's young, he's controllable, he's one of the more – um, coveted pieces, and I don't see a deal getting done for him for the Nats, so I'm going to say no deal. Yeah, um, I'm going to say no deal as well, just because the Nats-Orioles relationship is so, so fractured. Bad. Yeah, Like, oh my yeah. god, it is terrible, so I don't think... The, Nat- the Nats could literally offer Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Robles, and like Juan Soto, and the Orioles would still be like, mm, No. So whatever the price they have for him is going to be absolutely quadrupled. Um, mm-hmm. Rizzo's made a trade with all but two teams, and it's the Orioles and the Astros. Orioles one is uh, very clear. Not sure about the Astros. So we're both on the same page. Well, I mean, he had a chance to make the deal with the Astros <laughs> last year for Bryce, and True. Uh, that did not happen, so that's yeah. dumb. Uh, I'll never forget, and like – in hindsight, it sounds like a bad deal, and the Orioles. It sounds like the Orioles were smart to turn it down, but at the time, it was a hell of an offer. It was like Drew Storin, Lombardozzi, and some other top prospect. I want to say Ian Kroll, but don't I don't know. But it was those three for Adam Jones, and as, that was the time where the Orioles like were first starting to sell, and it was just like unbelievable that the Orioles turned it down because that was like prime store and value prime. I mean, Lombardozzi and Kroll never became of anything, but prime value for all of them, the Orioles turned it down because the Nats can offer anything, but the Orioles won't take it because <laughs> it's the Nats. Very true. So next up is Shane Green. Nick, deal or no deal? This one, I'm going to say deal just because it's already sounded like he's been the name most connected uh, to the Nats, and I still stick with my point that if the Nats do make a trade, 
I think it makes more sense to trade for someone who's going to stick around. So someone who's controllable. Shane Green is also very cheap. So he's not, if we only acquire one arm at the deadline, Shane Green is like an arm that makes sense because he's going to be around and he's cheap and he's not going to push us over the luxury tax. Um, So I would like to see it. He's really turned it around. Uh, recently, because um, obviously he has great stats this year, and he's been probably the biggest relief name on the market, I would say. Um, so I, I would love to see it. He, he's a hard-throwing righty out of the bullpen. Um, you could honestly flex him and do little. So if there's a, a bigger threat of lefties in like the eighth inning, throw do little, let green close, or vice versa. I mean... It, it's just such a great like one two to have that this is like my wish list uh, or uh, top of my wish list for relief arm. So I'm gonna say deal, hoping that they get it done. But if it is green, green for Keyboom, I say no deal. Green for Garcia, though, yes, deal. I agree. I also say deal. Um, <clears throat> in late May. We were asked who we think the Nats would get at the deadline, and you heard it here first that the Nats would trade for a guy like Alex Colomay. Yesterday, it came reported out that the Nats were in talks with Alex Colomay because, yes, we are that smart. Um, so, Nick, <laughs> deal or no deal? Alex Colomay. Um, well, I'm going to say deal in the terms – it'll be deal if, we, if it's no deal for Shane Green. Um, but if we get Shane Green, I think we are done dealing. But if we get Alex Colomay, I think – one, it won't be enough for the bullpen uh, just to add him, so they'll need more. But they'll also need to trade someone with a little bit more money, like a Michael A. Taylor, um, or I don't know, maybe you. I'm trying to think of someone who they could trade that has some money on the books. I mean, may like, <laughs> God, that'd be great. Maybe like a bullpen arm that you try to flip, kind of similar to like the Trinan deal, like Trinan was a reliever in our bullpen, but we traded him for relief arms similar to that. But if we trade for Colin may, we'll have to be um, creative with our subsequent deal to stay under the luxury tax. Cause it seems like they're extremely hell bent on doing that. Otherwise we would have signed Kimbrel without a shadow of a doubt. And we probably already would have made a trade uh, to help our bullpen. If we weren't already trying to stay under the luxury tax. So I will say a uh, deal um, that's contingent on us not making a deal for Shane Green, but also making another deal to stay under the luxury tax. I'll say no deal just because the Twins plan on contending next year um, and his price is going to be high unless the Nats can offer up some MLB ready talent. Um, so next up on the list, we have Ken Giles, deal or no deal? I'm going to say no deal just because it doesn't sound like, and this is probably one of the most like least uh, smart sounding comments uh, from like a wannabe journalist like myself. Ken Giles doesn't sound like someone the Nats would go after. Like he's a hothead he's obviously been better as of late when he was in Houston he was an absolute 
just mess and he's kind of figured it out more so in Toronto uh but he just doesn't seem like a fit there there's certain guys like that just aren't fits on certain teams so I think Giles is one of them, and I also think that the other Blue Jays reliever, who we'll get to in a second, makes more sense um, as far as the target that the Nets would go after. But Ken Ken Giles doesn't really like move the needle for me. Yeah, um, you know Ken Giles also is kind of a terrible person, and the Nats Nats really <laughs> care about yeah. character. Um, so I'm going to say no deal for that end right there. They are doing their due diligence and checking up right him. So we move to Dan. Can I pause mm-hmm. right there? Because I heard a, um, a report. It, this was maybe 10 days or so ago. But I think it was the New York Post. There was a tweet or some a reporter tweeted that a role to Chapman is uh, expected to opt out of his deal at the end of the year. And obviously, uh, we alluded to the Giles situation. There's certain situations for players around the league, Addison Russell, Roberto Osuna, who have been well-documented in their uh, legal troubles, we'll say. Rolls Chapman is one of them. Uh, granted, it, was, it seems like it's been buried because there's been others re- more recent than his. Um, but obviously, it's a Rolls Chapman. He's a lefty who throws like 102 miles an hour. If he hits the open market, I mean, the Nats were linked to him once or twice before. Do you see that as an option, or do do you think they uh, pull the character clause card and uh, just stay away? Um, so, after that report came out, he posted something about a Yankee for life, and then Ken Rosenthal came out saying that he is going to opt out, but going to try to get a new contract with the Yankees. Um, right. If he is on the open market, I would say just try to get him, just because, you know, hey, we finally got him four years after his prime, but (laughs) I still wouldn't see the Nats doing it and paying up for him. Right. Uh, I mean, we'll have more money to play with next year just because we have Zim coming off the books, hypothetically Rendon coming off the books, uh, Rosenthal maybe Eaton, hopefully Eaton. Um, But we'll have more money to play with regardless. Um, But my point was the fact that we didn't pay up for Kimbrell leads me to believe we won't pay up for Chapman um, because if it was between the two, I would pay up for Kimbrell ahead of Chapman. Um, Kimbrell just seems like the more reliable option, even though, I mean, he struggled a little bit to start his season with the Cubs, but he didn't really have a spring training or anything, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, But, yeah, it was just interesting to me because, yeah, I do expect him to re-sign with the Yankees. It seems like that's the – the thing he's trying to do we see people do it all the time uh they opt out of the um their current deals with a good situation with their teams just to try to get a longer maybe higher aav contract with the same team so just had to throw it out there since we're talking about bullpen arms yeah i mean it's a fair question to ask and one that we would like to monitor in the off season so last up on the names that the nats have checked up on is Daniel Hudson, who's kind of an under-the-radar uh, veteran. Nick, deal or no deal? I can see a deal. I, I don't think he's necessarily at the top of 
the Nats are anyone's wish list, but I also think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. It reminds me a lot of, um, what was it, 2017 when we acquired Doolittle? And obviously the Doolittle Matson acquisitions were the headline, but right at the buzzer of the trade deadline, we traded for Brandon Kinsler. It reminds me of that deal. Um, obviously, Kinsler's exit with the Nats was uh, well-documented. But, I mean, it it was like that secondary acquisition where you're like, all right, now we're kind of in business. So I, I think Hudson, if the Nats can get Green or Colome, then, yeah, maybe they go after Hudson. But if they can't get the other two, I don't know that they go after Hudson. Just because it seems like he does, he's another one that doesn't really move the needle uh, because he's just, I'm not going to say he's not good enough, but especially with how bad our bullpen is, but it's just like, it's not really anything uh, lost if you don't acquire him. Agreed. Um, I can see a deal happening just because I feel like of all the names have been connected to, he will cost the least prospect wise. Um, yeah. And like no one, this deadline really moves the needle. So that's also true. We're going to see what happens. Uh, I was going to wait until the 31st for the price to drop. We can guarantee that. So July 31st is going to be the best day of the year. And everyone be on the lookout for Nat's news for us. And then we'll break it down next week. Yeah. I mean, who, who needs a bullpen when you can just have a, Matt Grace be your opener. Exactly, or score 11 runs like they have right now against the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, Soto. I mean, we we heard about Soto just now. We said he was going to break out of it. All of a sudden, he, he goes ding-dong, goes thick Apo daddy. Daka. Yep. Exactly. We are incredible. So, um, <laughs> now moving on to trade deadline predictions. So, Nick, one prediction can be bold, can be mild, can be just – whatever you want one for the Nats and one for all around baseball for everything's going to happen at the trade deadline. All right. Listen here first. We're not in the business of mild predictions. Okay. Go bold or go home. So you, you can take that and just <laughs> shove it because we're going bold here. My one for the Nats is that <laughs> they do not acquire a bullpen arm but instead acquire only one bench guy. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not saying they shouldn't acquire a bullpen arm because I'm yeah. not that dumb. I'm not a Davy Stan or an Adam Eaton Stan. Um, but I, I think I don't – Eric Sogard was someone I was going to say, but he just got traded <laughs> today to the Rays. So uh, I, I don't have one off the top of my head. But I can see – Rizzo just holding, holding firm with his bullpen. We believe in the guards <laughs> we have, um, and just making a trade to appease fans, saying he, oh, here I did something, and it's just like a average bench bat who will probably be like better than what we have, but I mean nothing that really inspires optimism. <clears throat> all right, all right. So mine for the Nats is that. Mike Rizzo on July 31st will panic after missing out on Shane Green, Alex Colomay, who will be traded to other teams. The Phillies will land Shane Green, 
and the Dodgers will get Alex Gosman wow. or Felipe Vasquez. Um, and Mike Rizzo will panic, and he will trade Carter Keboom for out of pure desperation, knowing that this year the NL wild card is sorry, the NL in general is just wide open, and this is their shot to go ahead and try to make that deep playoff run. So he will go full balls to the wall. We've seen him panic before <clears throat> at a meet and trade, and he will do it again this deadline. That's my bull prediction. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can see it. I can honestly see it. And that's interesting. I mean, Shane Green to the Phillies is the one that stuck out to me. And, yes, we've been, like, the best team in baseball since May 24th to overuse, like, the worst caption <laughs> in baseball. Um, but the Phillies are still only half a game behind us. Mm-hmm. Like, and we're six games behind the Braves. Like, again, and uh, as you said, the NL is wide open. Like, yes, we're in a wild card spot currently. We have the same record as the Cubs. Granted, we're winning right now. I believe the Cubs are losing, but not, I'm not 100% sure. Milwaukee has, like, I mean, they've played uh, more games than us, but up one in the win column, up one in – or down one in the loss column. One more loss than us, I should say. And then you have a bunch of teams that – like Philly is half game back. San Fran, who we just talked about earlier, isn't selling because of the run they're on. They're two and a half back of the wild card side. Arizona, who's 500, has a plus 66 run differential, which is insane. They're 500. They're three games back. So they could decide not to sell and even buy at the deadline. And they could get a push into a wild card spot. The NL is so wide open that a panic move almost seems like inevitable for Mike Rizzo because there's so many teams that are evaluating themselves as contenders and might even buy at the deadline. And that's just more people to bid against. So he's going to panic and bid Carter Keboom, or if he's going to panic and bid Carter Keboom, it doesn't seem like that big of a, a stretch to me, but it's bold. I like it. Go, <clears throat> go bold or go home. Uh, and now your yeah. predictions for all of baseball. All of baseball, and I don't know if this is bold, but this is, like, the the hill I'm dying on. And I hate to say it because I said this in the interview, and I truly mean it. The trade deadline is my, like, Christmas. I absolutely love it. I love the madness. I love the chaos. I love people switching teams and reevaluating teams and seeing which guys move the needles for their new teams. But... I say this trade deadline is overall a disappointment because as we see it just with the bullpen arms that are available or who have uh, even the ones that have since become unavailable because teams are deciding not to sell. None of them are really that exciting. Like, yeah, Shane Green would be someone I'm excited about, but it's not like anyone insane we're like wow i can't believe he got traded like a cinder guard getting traded a stroman getting traded yeah uh, i mean obviously that moves the needle but i like for instance i don't think mad bum gets traded i don't think cinder guard gets traded either i, I think if cinder guard gets traded it's an off-season deal it's not a deadline deal stroman i could see getting traded just because the jays have already uh started their uh selling 
uh, with Sogard earlier. It seems like they're going to trade their bullpen uh, assets that they do have. So St- Stroman could get uh, traded. My prediction for Stroman is that he gets traded to Atlanta because I feel like that's probably n- not necessarily the best pitching uh, starting starting pitcher available, but the one that seems the safest because Mad Bum, despite the immaculate postseason resume, he's not the same pitcher as he was when the Giants had their dynasty. Um, and someone like Syndergaard, you really don't know what he's going to give you because he was evaluated as this like elite ace, put him on any staff he's your ace type pitcher when he came up, and he's gotten worse every single year. His numbers have actually gotten worse. Um, so who knows who he really is. I do think it go, him going to a team like the Astros especially would definitely rejuvenate his career, but just because he goes to a change of scenery doesn't mean he's automatically going to get better. So point being, the Braves have the most buying power. Stroman seems like the best uh, target for a starting pitcher. So I, I think that's the the headline deal for all of the trade deadline deals, uh, Stroman to Atlanta. But after that, I don't think there's much that really like gets you excited. I think it's ultimately a disappointing deadline, which kind of stinks. And I, I think it's that's in large part due to how many teams are considering themselves to be uh, contenders. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see. A lot of teams are on the edge, and they may just decide last minute to sell. Um, my we'll see. bold prediction for all of baseball is that the Yankees do not acquire a pitcher. Um, their starting pitching is awful. They rank last in ERA. They rank first in home runs, runs OPS against. Um, and a couple other st- stats since July 1st. Does not stop there. Their downfall continues um, since they did not acquire a pitcher, and they do not win the division, and they lose in the wildcard game. You heard it here first. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. You don't think they win the division? No. I mean, I know they're on the verge of getting swept by the Red Sox in four games, but Dave. they still have an eight-game lead over the Red Sox as it stands today, and they've lost three in a row to the They've Red gone Sox. seven straight games, giving up seven or more runs. Um, they're... Pitching is horrible. Their pitching is really, oh, yeah, really not, bad. Not CC just went there. on the IL. Um, so I say they do not acquire a pitcher. That's not that bold. So let's turn it up to 11. And that's what we do here, baby. Bold takes. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. I'm sorry for even uh, doubting you. Sorry, right. King. Bold take city. <laughs> bold take city. Um, I, I will say, again, I, we've mentioned this before, but I don't think it's really like appreciated how big of an impact that having no waiver deadline this year is having, because I think teams aren't used to this being the only deadline. Cause obviously this is the first year that this is the only deadline. And usually if they don't get a deal done on July 31st or by July 31st, teams will still put the, their, like trade assets on waivers to see if they can get a deal done after the fact. We don't have that this year. And I think teams aren't fully prepared for it. Um, teams that are prepared will obviously get the, be the teams that get the deals done. But 
a team like the Nationals, I don't know if they're exactly ready for like July 31st being it. Because we look at last year, they couldn't decide if they were buying or selling at the deadline. They didn't do anything. And then they ended up selling later on because they just decided they were out of it. So I think a lot of teams are kind of caught between uh, a rock and a hard place, whether to buy or sell. Even if they consider themselves contenders, they might be um, more comfortable selling. So, I mean, I, I think it catches MLB by surprise and you don't really see exciting deals done. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched all the points there. Not going to piggyback mean, on anything. Of course. Absolute. Of course. I, I mean, I, I, I'm an expert. <laughs> I do what I can. All right. All right. But it's now that time for everyone's favorite portion of the show, and that is our Twitter questions. So the first one we have is from at One Pursuit Takes with a take in itself. Should Strauss be in the Cy Young conversation? Um. I'm going to say no, just because, like, I mean, he's having a good year. Like, his ERA is 3-3, and he's about to get his 14th win of the year. But, like, that's kind of about it. Like, uh, Hung Jin Ryu exists. He has ERA below two. Um, Max Scherzer, if he doesn't miss too much time, he's going to be in it. I don't really think he should be in the name. I mean, I can't think of other names right now, but I don't think he should be in the conversation unless he goes on absolute terror like he did. Uh, that second half where he had right. the area less than one, but yeah, twenty seventeen, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, which is completely in the realm of possibility. We've seen him uh, do it before. He can easily do it again. Uh, that's who Strauss is. He is, when healthy, uh, a top five pitcher in baseball. I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Um, but I don't know if this is his year. You can definitely put him in the conversation, but there's not like, there's too many guys ahead of him. Cause yes, it depends how much time max misses, but the fact that max is on his team really hurts his case. Like that's just how it's been with voting. Um, I, I personally don't value wins as high as I'm sure some people do. Like look at the Grom last year. He didn't set the world on fire and wins, but his numbers were insane. Um, so someone like Luis Castillo for the Reds could still be in the conversation. Uh, he hasn't been as great as how he started the year, but he sells phenomenal numbers. Obviously, uh, Ryu still exists, like you said. And if Max doesn't win, he's probably going to win uh, because he's equally deserving. Maybe not equally, but he's right there. He's been insane. Um, and then you have the other Dodgers pitchers like Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw who are always being in the conversation. Um, there's just a lot of um, deserving names, and Strauss isn't having a year that's DeGrom-esque. Not that many people do have a DeGrom-esque year, but he's just not having one of those like historic years. So he would have to go on an insane tear in August and September to really bring that ERA down to like a two six two five with insane numbers, um, and then probably get twenty wins to uh, really solidify his name in the conversation, which he could do. But as of now, no facts. Facts. All right. Next question. At it's Mad Max season. Well, not exactly because he's <laughs> on the shelf. So. 
All right. Uh, if you could pick one reliever, who would it be? Um, I'm going to go with the Tiger Shane Green. He has a low one ERA. Um, he gives up less than one uh, walk per nine innings, a little over one home run per nine innings. His whip is .89. Um, he has the seventh lowest whip – I mean, not whip – OPS against in baseball. He gives up the third least amount of hard hits in baseball. He relies on ground balls, so his FIP – as people who love fit for relievers, even though they shouldn't, isn't as great as it should be. But um, in my mind, he's the best reliever out there. And I think him in the eighth inning would really help solidify things. And he'd be great, great get for me. Agreed. This is the answer. Um, I mean, you can try to argue any of the other names that are uh, hypothetically available at the deadline, but this is the answer. Uh, he's the only one who you can really get excited about. He's controllable. He's young. He's a hard thrower. He is just setting the world on fire this year. All-star um, just would be a great acquisition. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to say. It, it should be Shane Green, and I really hope they get him. All right, at any Honey Dizzle 47 thoughts on the Giants not selling? <laughs> um. Everyone in baseball, including fan teams in the NLS, needs to be on their feet applauding this move because this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just getting all sentimental because this is um, Bochy's last year. They have the oldest team in baseball. They're about two, two and a half games out of the wild card. They're really not that good. They're kind of just playing well right now just because they're taking advantage of their schedule. But in like two or three years from now, they're going to look back and like, damn. We really should have sold Mad Bum a couple <laughs> of these guys instead of just getting all sentimental. Yeah, kind of like the Nats should have done that last year, but that's Oof. fine. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing is this is going to hurt them for definitely next year. I don't know if it will reach beyond that depending on how they handle next year um, and how they rebound, but this is going to hurt because they are an extremely average team. They're just playing well right now. This is this is baseball. Like some of the worst teams can be the best team in baseball at one point during the season. Like the in May there was a stretch where like the Marlins were the hottest team in baseball. It's just how baseball goes. It doesn't mean you are a legitimate contender. So yes, the Giants are getting sentimental. They view themselves as a team like the Red Sox or the Yankees or like the Cardinals as these teams that are just like like prone to winning and just having solid teams. And they're not in that conversation. Yes, they had a great start to the decade, obviously, with three World Series titles. No one's taking that away from them. But, I mean, you got to be realistic. You, it, baseball is something you can be emotional about, but you can't let your emotions get the best of you either when it comes to the business side of it. And that's exactly what they're doing. And this is going to hurt them, but it also hurts the rest of baseball because they're, they do have valuable pieces that would be nice to have uh, on your team for the stretch run um, that aren't available because the giants are failing to be um, rational with their evaluation of their team and they're not selling and they can do whatever they want. If they make a run great. If not, they're dumb and LOL. But, and then again, the the giants world series runs, they were never the best team 
of that year. They just got hot at the right time. So maybe they know something I don't, which isn't that big of a stretch. But it just seems like a dumb move. So we shall see. All right. Last question at ACME Leader. How does MLB rid itself of horrible umps? The answer is not robot umpires, as we've seen. Yeah, no. I mean, um, like umpires, officials, referees, whatever sport it is, they're, they're going to be good ones and bad ones in every single sport. You're not going to get rid of it because you're not going to take out the human element of the game. And I absolutely hate when people bitch and complain about umpires nonstop because bad calls go both ways. The Nats have won games because of bad calls, and the Nats have lost games because of bad calls. It's part of the sport. It's part of the game. It's what makes baseball baseball. And they did a poll, and majority of baseball players think getting rid of umpires would be a terrible thing to the game. And these are people who are actually benefited from it, not you who's just sitting there angrily because you didn't like a call that someone said. It's part of the game. Yeah. Yeah, obviously with the technology we have in social media, we can obviously see the bad of the umpires more frequently it's more accessible so it seems a lot worse but um, um i promise you the umpires have been bad in people's minds for all throughout time because guess what if a call doesn't go your way you think the umpire is bad that's just <laughs> how it is okay like so i mean umpires are human like we probably would do a worse job than they are doing if we were put out there that's just how it is there's a human aspect to the game that's what makes it like a great game because you just don't know it's not black and white there's gray and it's just it's just how it's going to be like robot umpires are just not the answer and there's not really a solution that anyone has given that seems like realistic or plausible aside from robot umpires which clearly don't work because we've seen the clips of the terrible strikeout calls and also, if we did go to something like robot umpires, what are we going to do? We're going to have to wait for every single call on the field. Like that makes zero sense, <clears throat> like whatsoever. So, I mean, y- you'll always have the opinion that there's horrible umps or that the umps are horrible, but that's just how it's going to be, and that's what baseball and all sports are. It's just. I mean, you're not going to like a call when it hurts your team. Just how it is. All right. So we are at that point. (laughs) God, that's beautiful. All right. Worst tweet of the week at Ghost of Dibble. Uh, Oh, God. I wish Trevor Rosenthal was here to lock down this game. Um. I know it's a joke, but with this account, I actually can't tell if it's a joke or not. But um, <laughs> just PTSD. Never, uh, never mentions name yeah. again. Yeah. Um, there was that clip that Nats fans who let Bryce live rent free in their heads, uh, like salivated over, where Rosenthal was three zero on Bryce and then came back to strike him out. One, one of those strike calls was a terrible call. Uh, and two, it's not that Trevor Rosenthal didn't have the stuff. It was that he just couldn't command it whatsoever. It was either not even close to the strike zone or it was right down the middle. So clearly the Tigers are doing something with him, uh, 
correctly than the Nats were unable to do, which again is not that big of a stretch because <laughs> every every pitcher in history that leaves the Nats and goes to another team ends up having a better <laughs> year than what they did with the Nats. It's just it's facts. It's like I don't know if it's science or a curse or what, but it's just facts. The Nats suck with their <laughs> pitching. So it's not that big of a stretch. But if this is your take, you need to be admitted. <laughs> like, you, you have problems. Get out of here, <laughs> Boomer. Boomer. Speaking of Boomer, Amanda obviously did not participate in this episode, but she will be back next week. Uh, but, Ryan, I think we held it down pretty I think well, we right? did. Um I think Amanda would be proud of us that the two immature kids on the show did a pretty good job. Um, and I just got to say. Honestly, that, 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 that's all I want. I want mom to be proud of us. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, when it comes down to it, this is a show by millennials for millennials. And that's what we did here. Exactly. And we can say that now. Yep. Absolutely. There's no rules. There's, There's one, one rule. There's one rule. All right, that's all we've got from Ryan and Nick and everybody at Half Street High Heat. Uh, go follow them at Half Street High Heat, at DC Natchak for Ryan and myself, at A White 7877 for Amanda, who will be back next week, and at DMVSN, who sponsored the podcast. Uh, thank you. Good night. And see you. You. Later. I got nothing. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done